Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DML57. Uh, we took a little bit of a break there to partially because we were kind of sick of talking about the same old stuff all the time and there was an all-star break. So, uh, but we're back now. I've got all my usual line mates with me to talk about all the fun things that have been happening with the Chicago Blackhawks recently. Up first, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey you can find on Twitter at Shepard Price and probably uh, uh, summoning whatever divine intervention they can muster to get Marc-Andre Fleury to change his mind about Vegas. It is Shea Price. Well, okay. The thing was, he was ne- he never changed. He never like he never he never wanted to leave Vegas. So I don't know if it's a, if we if we need to get get him to change his mind. First of all, second of all, what fun things with the Blackhawks? They won. They won on on Monday, but that was what the most boring game I've ever seen of hockey. Um, uh, and th- yeah. and three. Speaking I of can, fun things I outside of the hockey world of hockey, uh, Limitless Keith Lee and Adam Hangman Page are now in the same wrestling company. Uh, my like I know what no other wrestling company exists. There is only AEW. Well, you have plenty of time to watch them after Leonard spits the bit in the first round and Vegas goes home early again. Leonard is hurt, <laughs> sir. Well, which is why, which is why Vegas is going to acquire Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, because well, like the, the entire season, like all these insiders have been like, well, he, he'll he'll wave for one of two teams, Pittsburgh or, or Vegas. So if Vegas wants him, and he's willing to go to Vegas. Then we I, need to get him. Has, like, has the, there the been... Golden Knights need him? All right, we're gonna, we're going to come back to this in a second because we have plenty of, of trade stuff to get to. But you you, uh, you mentioned one other person on this panel who might be very excited about the Keith Lee news, so we we might as well bring him in now. And he is the second city hockey. What Noel Gallagher was to Oasis, and you can find him on Twitter at Mill One Eighty Two. It's Mill Savage. Have you heard the good news? No, no, I haven't. Demar Derozan. <laughs> oh no, that is um, that is good news. I am very glad that you mentioned Noel and not Liam because my brother and I draw that comparison all the time of where the metal versions of Oasis, except for I will probably never beat the shit out of him with a cricket paddle. So um, I, I love him more than that. So <laughs> That's also very kind of you to not yeah, assault your brother with a cricket paddle. There, there, the, the Gallagher brothers are crazy, but uh, I, I have seen Noel Gallagher live. It was fucking incredible. Um, I got hammered and like cried my eyes out when he played four Oasis songs. Uh, as, as you do when you watch Oasis. Look, uh, I'm a big, I, hope, I, I just a hope huge, you don't look back in anger on that night. Hey, I, I don't even mind that pun, Dave. I'm a fucking giant Oasis mark and I don't care. Like if people make fun of me for that, I'm a huge fan. So they're no, uh, they're there. I, I have nothing other than the fact that the two brothers are crazy. They yeah, have plenty well, of enjoyable music, and it's I listen to it somewhat regularly. Well, I have two gripes with them. Number one, not it has nothing to do with them. The first one is that people made a meme out of like, oh, here's Wonderwall. Wonderwall's not like a super like oh like nobody learns that when they start learning guitar. That's like a really complicated Beatles chord progression that like nobody uses. And uh, number two, they like Man City, so fuck that. Like, yeah, I can uh, wholeheartedly agree on the second part. At least, and, at least you and I can agree on that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
And that was your music minute with Mill Savage. Let's bring in our last line mate for this evening. She's been quiet for far too long, so we need to get her in here. Uh, she is Second City Hockey's Bull and Wall of Text. You can't find her on Twitter, but she is at secondcityhockey.com. Under the name LBR, it's Betsy. Um, I started muting in the in y'all's intros because um, I interject too much in general and I ramble too much. So I was like, this is a good time to not like let other people shine and not be an interruptive person because that's my personality. Well, we're we were hoping for a lot of rambling tonight before we have to get to back to talking about the Blackhawks anymore. So if you have any openings, uh, opening uh, opening ballads or monologues you want to get off your chest at the moment, I mean, feel free. I'm sure you want to break down everything that happened in the Super Bowl Sunday night, right? I watched the halftime show. How and and what did you think about it? Because I enjoyed it immensely. It was awesome. It was I, I think great. that's really good. Right, it's up there with the, it's yeah, up there with it's the best. Of, it's so good. Uh, everybody, I, I feel like the people whose music opinions I respect always put the Prince one on top, yes. yeah. and I just. That was during the Bears Super Bowl game. So I was outside like pacing the street. So I, I didn't watch a second of it because I was. So I, I think if the Bears make the Super Bowl again, which will probably never happen. But if they do, I need it to be like uh, someone I don't care about performing. Like, uh, I don't know, throw a throw Taylor Swift. Imagine Dragons. Go right ahead. Yeah, Imagine Dragons. Fine. Uh, <laughs> put Nickel back up there. I don't give a like shit. Like the Imagine Dragons, the most generic band. Like, here, yeah, have this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have this. I'm going to go. Uh, pace back and forth and figure out how Justin Fields is going to lead the second half comeback. So the bears can win a super bowl. I was, when's the last time there was like a bad super bowl every year besides this year in Prince. <laughs> well, no, last year was, last year was good with Shakira and JLo. Springsteen. Springsteen. Uh, but they didn't perform though. They danced. It was all backtrack. This is like the first year I can remember they didn't have backtrack vocals. Well, that's because that they're also not singing. They're rapping <laughs> like other than Mary, you know, like they're, it was a lot of rap rap. So, I mean, it's not. Yeah. But not, I mean, like, like you got to let them sing. I yeah. So they don't let them sing at those things. Like, even right, that's why I'm mad. Doing... <laughs> because like well, they, they get people who are great singers and they're like, don't sing. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed, I even enjoyed Katy Perry. Um, Katy Perry's one. Gaga's was good. I mean, I haven't, I haven't disliked any, some of the other ones. Beyonce's was really top notch to yes. me. Um, like Coldplay exactly. only because beyond only because of Beyonce and Bruno. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. I don't think there's been like a subpar one. There have been ones that are better. Like this one I think is really good. Um, I think Beyonce's might have been a little bit better to me, but that's just because I like Beyonce's music better, but yeah, it's really, really high up there. Par- a rhetorical of- question to the world. When are we getting Taylor's fucking halftime show? Uh, well, I, I think you're, I think they're, um, it seems like they're kind of going towards, uh, people who are old enough to be nostalgia acts. Cause I think like, like someone had that tweet about, uh, like you made fun of the Super Bowl for having halftime shows for old people when it was nah. Rolling Stones and Bruce Springsteen. And now they have Dr. Dre and Snoop and then think about it. Or like basically that if you're familiar with his music, you're also old now. So so you know what that means, Dave. When Blink goes, you guys will see me on TV crowd surfing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'd say maybe in 10 more years, you can get your uh, Taylor Swift one. And you know, again, during Justin Fields' uh, uh, MVP performance. Uh, you know what? Ahead. I really don't think Taylor Swift will be a nostalgia act in 10 years. I think it'll be more like 25 years. She'll probably keep being like, like I don't think she'll be knocked off yet or too into her because young, young people are into her. 
I there's there's I I there's there's, I, there's talk within there's talk within the community that like she like I I believe talk. it if she like if she if she got when she gets married she like steps away from music for for like a long time and just focuses on like family. That's fair. All right, no, well, fair that, enough. We're, we're, I'm just saying. We've, we've already had more Taylor Swift conversation on this podcast than I would ever allow. So I, I want you guys to know that <laughs> I completely, I completely for like was the weekend last time. Like, did I? Yes, just, it was the weekend yeah. last time. Yeah. So okay, there you go. There's one, and I like the but weekends. It, but that know. was like a video esque thing because of COVID. I know yes, it exactly. Was. I, I, was like, I also I could not remember where I even watched the last Super Bowl because I was at, I was at a friend's house that I usually go to for the Super Bowl, but they didn't have the party a year ago for obvious reasons. I cannot remember. I, I barely even remembered who was in the damn game. So well, before I, uh, I, I, before I go too off the rails on this, I was going to say, Dave, if you want to segue, I got a, I got a good segue. Uh, uh, go, go ahead. We're, ta- we're talking about nostalgia acts. So why don't we talk about the Hawks? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and Mark Andre Fleury going to Vegas. Is that a nostalgia act? Mark Andre Fleury is still <laughs> awesome, so I don't yeah. know about that. All right, so so the big chatter in in Blackhawk circles the last few days has been revolving around Brandon Hagel, and it kind of started because of reports from Frank Saravelli at the the Daily Faceoff. Uh, this was apparently during their daily show that it gets put up on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to read this from over at uh, the Bleacher Nation people. Shout out to Mario who does uh who, who writes a lot of stuff for them, but the. I'm trying to find the part specifically about Hagel because it it got into what the Blackhawks have been offered for him. And apparently, according to the report from Frank Cervelli, is that uh, they have been offered a first round pick and a prospect for Brandon Hagel, which seemed like a lot. Uh, So I I just want to kind of go go around the room. And and the other part of that is the Blackhawks turned it down because apparently they don't want to trade Hagel. But obviously, with a month till the trade deadline, uh, that is certainly subject to change. So, uh, Shay, I'll swing it around to you first. Uh, just your, your your thoughts on that uh, that proposal and the the value and everything else involving that uh, possible trade. Other than I'd the heavy take, side, I'd take it with more context. What's the team and who's the prospect? Yes. Well, that's because well, that's the, no, that's. Uh, that is neither of those have been reported. So um, yeah, and I heard Betsy's uh, quiet uh, thumbs up in the background there. Because like if it's if it's the Blues, no. But if it's like a Florida or like New York Rangers, the Canes, the Wild, the Bruins. Maybe. Well, they it's are. it's going to be a pick between sixteen and thirty-two, most likely, because it's yes, going to be one of the they, teams in playoff contention. The Blackhawks need another first round pick because they might have made the mistake of trading the third, like the fifth overall pick or the eighth <laughs> yeah. overall pick for Seth Jones. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I like Brandon Hagel is really good and was noticeably one of the very good players against Winnipeg in a very boring game on Monday. Um, so, don't get me wrong. Like, I think he's very worthwhile and he's still really young. And he's, yeah, he's he'll be capable 20, of doing a lot of good things. Yeah, I think he's going to be 24 in like a month. So, yeah, still very young. Yeah, it's just like we're like the, the, there's been talk that like Alex Brinkett might be like 30 when uh, <laughs> the Blackhawks are good again. Like, I, I know. Yeah. Do we do we want 31 year old Brandon Hagel being one of the veterans on this team? Maybe he puts it. He puts in the work. Yeah, I stay healthy. And I think any any sort of trade talks and proposals and all that kind of have to be 
taken with a grain of salt at the moment because the Hawks are, you know, interviewing and about to hire a GM hopefully in the next week or two. And I think the, uh, all these trade rumors and such that are emerging hopefully expedites that process just a little bit. So they get someone in here that can make a, make decisions with both the short and long-term in mind. Cause that would seem to be very important. Uh, but I want to bring in Betsy cause I know uh, from, from her reaction that she has some thoughts on this. So I'll, I'll let her have the floor. My opinion is it 100% depends on the prospect. A most likely later, like you're right, it's going to be 16 to 30, but like, like I feel like mo- usually these types of things end up being, at least for the Blackhawks, like for Hartman's um, trade ended up being later. So those are low probability picks. Okay. Like that's just a fact. You would be better off getting like two high seconds than a late like a bottom 10 first probability wise. Um, so you, you're essentially trading a proven middle six player that puts up second line production strongly. Like he's had two seasons now of it and then does every other little thing that you want. I feel like you should be able to get more than a, like a late first but it depends on what that prospect is because if the pros- prospect is somebody like Edsel, no, fuck that. He stopped. <laughs> but, but, no more Victor Edsel. I got it. Right. I mean, but it just, it really depends. Um, I would prefer if they don't even, don't give me a first, just say, I want whatever your, who's your top prospect. Like would the wild, if they think this, they could be it this year, would they give up like Rossi for him? I don't know. Give us, give us Kellen Addison. Yeah. I mean, yes. Um, the Canes, would they give up uh, Jarvis for him? I mean, he's supposedly been slightly – I mean, I know he's been playing for them a little bit, but he's still considered a prospect. And I don't know, would the Bruins give up Lysel since they're like, this might be their last year with their core? I mean, would the Flames, thinking that they've, like, clicked, would they give up Zary, like Connor Zary? Like, if it's somebody like that, I don't even care about the first. I would take that prospect. Um, but if it's the first and like a B level or C level prospect, then no, I don't think it's worth that. You might be able to get more for Hegel later. Um, yeah, that's, and, and what you said, there is kind of one thought that's been, because the, the general consensus on all the tw- Blackhawks themed Twitter accounts I fe- I follow was like, you know, if someone's offering a first round pick and a prospect, it'd be hard uh, to say no, but I, I guess like, it's just, it's, it's a hard, um, like you said, there, there, there is some context there. Like if it's a throwaway prospect, you know, whatever, but I don't know, like, let's say hypothetically, it was like a second round draft pick and a Philip Deneau level prospect. Like, would that be a decent return for you? Cause I'm like, I was replaying some of the trades the Blackhawks made at the deadline that, uh, to, to pick up some veteran players or just to, just to add pieces before the deadline. And I was looking back at what they gave up and now the Hawks are on the other side of this coin. So now it's like, what can they get for some of the players that like, you know, when they traded away Philip Deneau and a second round pick to Montreal for Thomas Fleischman and Dale Weiss. We all know how that turned out, yeah. but just would, like, like, that's the I idea. I would totally do it. something like that. Um, if it was a Deneau type of prospect, but yes. the, because again, you guys know, I hate this whole, like it's a first round pick. You guys know my feelings on that. First round picks are not created equal and they have the largest out of any round of uh, disconnect between top and level, like literally just going two or three spots all the way down to like, 
when you hit like 2021 is a huge difference in probability. It only starts to stagnate towards the back end of it. So sitting there saying they need a like they it would be great if they could get a first round pick, but people being like they're not created equally. So getting a first round pick is not like that's just not like the best thing you could get unless it ends up which team is it? Do you think they're going to get knocked out really quickly? You might luck out and get the 16th, which in a deep draft could be something really good. And if your GM picks well, but no, I would rather them lean into prospects and then the pick actually be a slightly lower quality. And if, I mean, that second pick actually isn't going to be that much different in probability and value anyway. So, and and usually, usually what happens at the deadline is like a few trades happen that kind of set the market and then everyone works from there. And I guess one trade that just happened was Tyler Toffoli going uh, from Montreal to Calgary and in return for uh, Tyler Pitlick, who I believe is like a bottom pairing defensive guy, a Ford prospect, Emil Heineman, who I know nothing about a first round pick in the 2022 draft and a fifth round pick in 2023. That first round pick with Calgary is probably going to be what late teens, early twenties, unless they go on a crazy run in the postseason. So, so that that's a first round pick and then a BC level prospect with a fifth round pick thrown in. That is the Hartman trade. That is, except that Edshill really should have been rated like a DF. Again, like he was, I don't know. But anyway, the Nashville Predators rated him highly. Um, as a BC like mix, maybe could be a bottom pairing guy or a bottom six kind of guy. That's the same way that that trade right there. I would not, that's not great, but Tyler Toffoli is a completely different player. He's much older. Um, I think he's got, one, I think he, I can't remember if he has one year left on his deal. Um, Brendan Hagel is much younger and has two more years on his deal at a very reasonable cap hit. And they'll still be a restricted free agent after that contract, yep. up, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's and while he's putting up really solid production, it's not production enough that he's going to be reaching for the stars unless he breaks out, at which point you can always flip him for more. Or maybe that helps the Blackhawks turn it around faster. You don't know. He's just it would be different if he was one older like to Foley or on a more expiring contract or something. I just it really, really depends on who that prospect was and whether or not I would say yay or nay. First of all, you guys brought up something that I, I just want to address real quick. So Dale Weiss, I saw him score a goal in person in game six against the Blues, and the guy behind me bought me a beer because of that, so I can't really hate on that trade too much. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Uh, no, but I'll, I'll, in, in all seriousness um, – the Hagel thing for me is weird. Like Brandon Hagel is a guy who on a Hawks contender, you know, like look at the championship teams. I would have loved him. All right. And I, and I like him very much now, but he is a guy that you need on your bottom six when you're trying to win a cup. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if you can't get what he's worth, then don't trade him. But if you're going to get a first round pick and like a, like you said, a top level prospect, then you have to train them. And to me, the way I see it personally is I, I think the Hawks are looking at it going, well, we lost all these kind of guys when we didn't have cap room and now we don't have to lose them. So we're just going to keep them. And, and that's fine, but it's like, they might not do anything while he's here. So it's, it's kind of a catch 22 to me. 
Yeah, I think the point that Betsy made about his contract status of him having of Hale having two more seasons that makes it makes me more hesitant to trade him now. Like, I'm not. I I, got, I think I said that I was talking about this a few weeks ago about just having. We'd like to see what this team looks like with good coaching. So if you have Brendan Hagel and a cost-controlled salary cap for another season, I mean, I feel like the odds of his value tanking with a horrible season are pretty slim because the way, like the way he plays, he's been very consistent in the two seasons he's been with Chicago. So it just, it feels like it'd be maybe a touch premature unless you get a deal that blows your doors off. Like that, that's, I'm not going to call Brendan Hagel untouchable, but the other side of the coin is, they don't really have another Brandon Hagel in the system right now. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. I'm just saying to me, Brandon Hagel is a good player. Uh, he's the type of guy you need on a deep team, but he's not like a top six, like untouchable guy. Brandon Hagel is a barometer guy. I think. And what I mean by that is he kind of tells you how good your team is that if he's playing in your top six with any sort of consistency or regularity, that means your team's probably not that good. But if he's down in like the third and fourth line, for the most part of the season, it means you probably have enough for depth to put him down there, and that means your team is overall probably pretty good. Yeah, I agree, and I, I'm not, I just want to come across like I don't want to come across like oh I dislike you know Brandon Hagel. Like I like him. It's just I don't know. I I, I think it's uh, the Hawks are in such a stupid position right now <laughs> as an organization. It's like, look, if you're going to get a great deal, yeah, take it. If not, keep him for a while while you have under control just to see. But you have to take – if it's an amazing offer, you have to take it. Yeah, I don't yeah. – I mean, I, I we'll see how the market plays out over the next month, but uh, just uh, immediately jumping on uh, ju- jumping on the trade because it seems like a halfway decent return right now would feel slightly premature, um, you know, unless someone gives you a top-10 prospect. like Right, you know, and, and I would wait – I would wait till closer to the deadline too. Right. Hey, Brandon Hagel is a, is a faster, more modernized Andrew Shaw. And unless somebody's going to give you Alex to bring cat, you can't really move him. Well, yeah, I, because of the second round pick from the Andrew Shaw trade turned into Alex to bring it. So, and I think that was a better value pick getting two sec. Cause Shaw got two seconds. That was a better value pick. Well, the higher, um, chance than a first round pick, but also keep in mind that was because Andrew Shaw wanted four and a half million dollars. Brandon oh, yeah, Hagel's gonna want to be paid, I'm, so do I. Yeah, yeah, but like there was supposedly at the time there was a somebody who was going to give a late first round pick for him, um, and instead they went with Montreal for the two seconds, which quantity, right? No, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. All I'm saying is Brandon Hagel's contract's not up. Oh yeah, exactly. That's why my whole thing with Bowman for a while, for like the last however many trades he did that were bad was that his timing was poor. Yeah. Like he just he traded Panarin too soon. He traded Sod too soon. Like he just didn't wait Sod out. He just was like, okay, I'm not going to try this. And then Panarin went too quickly, and all of these things contributed to those being bad trades. He traded Dino too soon. You know, like like yeah. He, those are things that the timing of it was not great. Like, and I think the Hagel one is the same way. If you trade him now, it's almost like you haven't gotten 
him at the highest value he probably could provide. No, I agree with that. I, my point with the Shaw comparison is like, it's not, I understand the comparison. It's just Andrew Shaw built up his stock here. Like, mm-hmm. and, and like Betsy, like you said, we kind of, okay, like, here's what he is. Like you kind of got enough time to prove it. So then he's like, look, I have, I, I'm getting married. He has kids now, whatever he had to get his money. That's just yeah. the, the life, the realistic aspect of it. Um, Brandon Hagel's not there yet, and they probably aren't going to get the maximum trade value for him yet, like you said, because we don't, you know, we haven't seen him at his best. Um, we're assuming. Uh, so I would probably hold on to him, but I said, unless you get some amazing deal, because I just don't think, like, from now until his contract's up, I just don't think the Hawks are going to be in it to win it. Yeah. So yeah. to speak. You've got so many guys like unexpiring contracts, like Calvin DeHanson's like a logical one to, uh, to head out the door and, um, you know, like Caleb Jones, if you find a buyer for him or uh, so, some of the other guys, Dominic Kubelik's on an expiring deal. Like some of those guys are seem to make make more sense in that aspect. But having having Hagel for two more years at a, as you guys said, was a, a pretty affordable cap hit. Like it's just make sure it's a good deal, I, I guess, would be, I, which is what you want to do with everyone. But, you know, when you're trading away a pretty decent NHL proven commodity, yeah, uh, that's not a rental, and the new team doesn't have to negotiate with him for at least another two right. years. On. And just to throw something out there before we're, you know, like hit our break, like for what it's worth, that was a smart deal to sign because it was pretty cheap. And it's like, hey, if he ends up like we, we need to trade him, we could probably get something for him. If he ends up not being that good, we didn't spend that much. Yeah, they, they have their the Hawks from a Blackhawks perspective. They're in a very good position with Brandon Hagel. So if they are going to trade him, they need a very good return for him. So so that's something, something to watch over the next few weeks. I guess that's I, I enjoyed this conversation because it's like the initial like picking a prospect thing like. I, I like a first round pick and a really good prospect would be a good return, I think. But uh, there's some context there that you can't summarize in Twitter that I felt like we'd get into more. So, uh, so I was glad that worked out. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, uh, fix some te- technical difficulties we had for a moment there that uh, hopefully no one heard. And then we're going to come back and talk about some more stuff, uh, maybe Blackhawks related, maybe not. But come back on the other side of this break and find out what that all is. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And uh, as promised before the break, I wanted to dive into a few other uh, Blackhawks topics and maybe a few not Blackhawks topics. Um, but just really quickly, because um, as everyone here probably knows, Shay also writes for Knights on Ice, the SB Nation blog for the Vegas Golden Knights. And with Robin Leonard's recent injury, um, there's an obvious goalie reunion that I'm sure plenty of people in the Vegas fan base are clamoring for so shay if you wanted to light some candles or whatever or you know uh, verbally light some candles or whatever uh things you can summon to get mark andre Ferry to change his mind or whatever uh go ahead i i wrote first of all i wrote for nights on ice i left in june when i got uh, the job i have now and during and the it, day i, yeah, I so am out of time i i have no i have no i have time for this i'm not a lot else <laughs> uh well, time anyway. for keith lee baby uh, that's right. Um, the Golden Knights need a goaltender. And I think Marc-Andre Fleury is a person who likes the places he's played. Again, I don't think he wanted to be traded from the place, the, from, from Vegas in the first place. No, I, I, I would agree with you because the way he like took three or four days to 
Yeah, to decide if he wanted to play <laughs> hockey anymore. The trade essentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, like if if he'd be willing to come back to Vegas, they need him. Mar- Mar- uh, Robin Leonard's hurt apparently; it might be done for the season. Uh, Vegas, like this is arguably our best chance at the cup, and we've gone we've gone far deep into the playoffs the last <laughs> few years. Like they need a goaltender to, to get them there, and for, for, like. They know Flurry. They trust Flurry. The defense can build, like, work around Flurry. Flurry's playing really well again. So, so Jack uh, Eichel can't play goalie. Jack Eichel cannot <laughs> play goal, goaltender. We need him to be the first line center that they've never had. Um. So yeah, like they, we're so close now that like a Mark, we, we, like the Vegas Golden Knights are arguably a Mark Andre Flurry away. So Flurry's willing to wave his NMC for Vegas. Um, Vegas needs to come calling, even if Kelly McCrimmon just denied the, fed, the the rumor, basically meaning that like, yeah, Vegas is working on it. Yeah. The real question I have for you is, is there a really good prospect that the Black House could use from Vegas? Do you want you do you do you want uh, Jonathan Taves and, and Patrick Kane's agent's son? Because you can have Brendan Brasso. You know I uh, I haven't watched a ton of the Olympics, but I believe he's featuring on Team USA pretty heavily, and I he was what top ten pick? He was up there. If I remember correctly, Vegas is. I don't think we've ever had a top ten pick. Oh, we have. His name was Cody Glass, and we traded him. We traded him very quickly for Nolan Patrick. Yeah, sorry, Brendan Brisson was a 29th overall, so I was yeah. close. Um, but yeah, um, sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, just I, I think if obviously if they tra- trade Flurry, you want to get a really good. A really yeah. good prospect in return. A, a Vegas, a really, a really good prospect named Michael Hakarainen. <clears throat> no, no thanks. All right, I, I, I thought I heard Betsy chime in for a second, but uh, moving along uh, now that we're we're going to come back to the Blackhawks, um, just uh, Betsy Mill. I'll ask either one of you uh, anything that stood out from the last uh, two weeks of Blackhawk games that had. Kind of the full range of emotions. Some were, some were good. Some were awful. Some were uh, fun to watch. Some were absolutely not. Uh, and all in all, they're. Uh, I think since we last talked, they won two of three. So uh, start the parade again. When did we last talk? I we, the last the last time we talked was the day after the Rocky Words tirade. So it was also that night they got destroyed by the Wild five to nothing. Since then, the Hawks have beaten the Oilers four to one. They lost to the Blues five to one, and then last night or Monday night, if you're depending on when you're listening to this, uh, they beat the Jets three to one. Yeah, the only one of those games that was like good to watch was Edmonton and Edmonton's not a very good team. So like, like that one was like entertaining to watch, but the, like Shay said earlier, the Winnipeg game was so boring despite the win. And then the St. Louis game was also kind of boring, even though they really shouldn't have gotten beat up that bad because again, St. Louis isn't that great a team either. Um, They are a PDO machine. So, I'm, and and mainly because Billy Huso is playing out of his mind right now because Jordan Bennington sucks now apparently. Yeah, I mean maybe it'll be the flurry effect where at least they have one goalie that works at one time. I feel like that's how it is on flurry. Like every team flurry goes to, right? When he was at the Pens and Matt Murray was coming in, it was like 
up and down whenever Flurry was down, Matt Murray was up. So, yeah, there you go. Um, but other than that, there wasn't a whole lot to take away from it other than Dylan Strom looked great in most of the games or one of the better players. Hagel looked good in them. Kane still looks good. And then Dubrinkit is obviously a star. Um, That's it. And, and uh, future general manager Patrick Kane's doing everything he can to make the Hawks not trade away <laughs> Dylan Strom. Oh my gosh. I He must be like... I wonder if he's getting like flashbacks to like um, Panarin and cause I feel like every time Kane get like, he, we always used to joke that he used to shuffle around so much that he didn't have like even consistent line mates. And then when he finally got one, they traded him away after two seasons and he's, he's like, okay, I need to bring it in Strom to stay here. Those are my buddies. Those are my guys. And also, it's just a bad time to trade Strom anyway. Yeah. Um, the, he just, he, he would like someone to remain his teammate and like develop some chemistry with, I think, is the, the general thought there. Yeah. Because it was Schmaltz was the same way. He, he was hit, he hit it off with him too. So, unless you want Patrick Kane to go into the arms of Panarin or um, go to the Islanders to, to join, um, oh my God. Blinking on the kid on the Islanders who's super fast, starts with a B. Barzal? Yes, there you go. Because um, Patrick Kane writes sonnets about that kid. Like, in, I, Elliot Friedman mentioned this in his 32 Thoughts today that like he thought it was interesting that Patrick Kane said all the things he said, kind of like stumping to keep Dylan Strom around. And he wondered if, the, if, um, if there's a thought in the back of Patrick Kane's mind, if this, somehow this is. Uh, related to the fact that he's an unrestricted free agent next season or after next season and whether or not how they handle Dylan Strom will have an effect on those contract negotiations, which I think, I think is a fair, a fair conclusion to draw. Yeah. And the thing about Patrick Kane is that he could theoretically make the Hawks because people talk about trading him all the time, but again, he completely controls his fate. So if he doesn't want to move until he's a free agent, and then decides I want to pick then, then he can make it so the Hawks get nothing for him. So keeping him happy is good in general because maybe you want your franchise player to stay, but also if you ever do want to trade him, maybe don't piss him off so that he says, no, I only want to go to this one team and you get. Oh two. yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's that part of it as well. I didn't think about that. Uh, Mel, what about you? Any, any thoughts from the last handful of games? You know what? It's funny. Um, Cause speaking of Patrick Kane, like his, you know, his voice, he said something, and Kevin Weeks was kind of talking about it on NHL Network last night. Yes, yes, he was. That's what how, else, that's where else I heard heard uh, comments related to this. Yeah, he was saying, you know, like he kind of said it in a way where he wasn't trying. It didn't come off as shitty, but it was like, hey, like maybe the front office should listen to the players more because we play and we know what we're doing. And you know what? For once, I have to agree with Patrick Kane only because <laughs> look at the Hawks the past few years. It's like. And we talk about it too, you know, week in and week out. It's like, why isn't Strom playing more? Why is this guy getting minutes or why aren't they doing this? And it's like, you think that the players would recognize a lot of that. So to me, it's like, I think they need to have a GM who, even if they're not the hockey person, they have to at least listen to the hockey people. Yeah, I think that's it, Bill. Like, I, I, you don't want your players to be running the organization through like telling the GM what to do, but. I, there, I, I think any GM who's worth his salt is going to at least take input 
from a, especially a player of Patrick Kane's stature or Jonathan Taves' stature, or like if Duncan Keith was still around, like they, those guys have been in the league for 10, 15 years cool. and they have a pretty good view of things from down on the ice. Yeah. And if you remember back when they traded, uh, or not traded, uh, when they, when they didn't want to keep Crawford and they traded, uh, sod and all this stuff happened. Taves was vocally yes. like pissed. Yes. Um, yes. And don't get me wrong. Look, uh, I don't want them to be the current day Lakers where LeBron's like, sign all my homies. And then they suck because it's not like the right, <laughs> like, like, hey, you know, don't come for Russ just because he can't jump anymore. No, 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 no I'm not. Com- <laughs> look, no, I'm not coming for Russ or for no. anybody on the team. He's they're all for great. LeBron, though. They're, they're, no, no, I'm not coming from, but they're all great players in their own right. However, that doesn't mean you're going to be a great team. Yeah, you can't just um, – at some point, you can't just, like, assemble talent. You do have to have, like, pieces that work together in some right. way. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying is, like, I don't want you to sign all Kane's friends because he knows hockey. I'm saying, like, when some when, when you lose so many games because your team is lacking and, and there's clearly, like – the Hawks aren't the Coyotes. There's some talent there. Mm-hmm. Not just Taves and Kane and, guy, you know, guys who have been there, but, like, you know, you look at the team, like DeBrink is a star. Kubalik has a lot of potential to be a, a bigger star, et cetera. It's like, I just think that they need to go forward and, and have a mindset of like, okay, we're going to have the 50% business, sure, whatever, but we have to have a hockey mindset going forward. And I I really think that there, there was a point where the Hawks kind of, for for lack of a better term, fell ass backwards into all these championships, and then they didn't do anything to sustain mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what direction the organization goes whenever they hire this GM, because I think what whatever who they trade and what they get in return might tell you, give you an idea of what the long term plan is for the franchise. Um, so I, well, I think- just remember, it's not the line combos; it's the work <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about, because you were saying the GM <laughs> let the players run it, and I was going to be like, well, JC handed over the board to them once, so maybe. That's right. That's because he knew his ass was getting fired. Hey, speaking of Jeremy Colleton, uh, you guys know he's an assistant coach for Team Canada at the Olympics. So uh, the Olymp- I don't know because I don't <laughs> keep up with Jeremy Colleton or Team Canada. Thank you, Dave. What about what about Olympic hockey? Like, I, I wanted to do a quick uh, – talk about the Olympics because the, the, the gold medal game for the women is Wednesday nights, USA and Canada, and the men's are in just starting the qualifier or not the qualifying rounds there, the, the bracket play, essentially. I believe there's eight teams left uh, and quarterfinals. That's the word I'm looking for. Bring it, home. Bring it home, ladies. Let's go USA. Yeah. I, I think like with, I I've developed kind of the same feeling with the United States women's hockey team that I do with the women's soccer team. It's that, when they are playing rule. <laughs> well, yeah, that's part of it. But also like when they're playing Canada or they're really big rivals, it's a really fun game to watch, but anything else, it's kind of boring. Cause it's just so one-sided. So, and, and the, like, like this was the inevitable game. Everybody assumed it was going to be USA and Canada at the end. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to yell at Canadians for two and three hours. You know what, Dave, I have to disagree with you. I will never get bored watching Alex Morgan. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but uh, Bessie Shea, have, have either one of you watched the Olympics at all? 
I'm going to be watching the gold, the women's gold medal game because that's the main yeah. event of the of the winter went Olympics for me. So um, you don't you don't watch them play in the preliminary rounds? It's a foregone conclusion on who's going to make it to the gold medal game. Right. Yeah. That this is this is my problem. As, but what about the men's games? Have you watched any of those? Why? It's not best against the best. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> I, that is that is kind of the issue that I also have. Uh, Betsy, what about you? Um, I watched some of the men's because. Uh, Canada has, and the U S both have young players on it that I find interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the U S sent almost completely kids, you know, like, and Canada has both Owen power and, um, Oh my God. Why am I blanking on the other kid that, Oh, McTavish. And I love McTavish. So I'm like excited to see them play. Um, and it's, you know, they've got some former old dudes like Eric Stahl and stuff, but mm-hmm. former old dudes, Eric Stahl. Oh, Eric, <laughs> shout out Eric Stahl though. Yeah. I, I, I was I good for him. I didn't realize he was on the roster until I turned on the game. I'm like, Oh he's God, that's a Stahl brother. Yeah. Well, he's holy fucking good. shit. Yeah. Uh, not hockey related, but the Celtics just won by 48 points against Philadelphia. Wow. Oh, well, they're going to lose to the bulls whenever they see them in the post. Yeah. Because Demar is going to score a thousand. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, back to uh, hockey. I was trying to think of other Olympic. Uh, Betsy, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that Team USA has, uh, I think, like half or three fourths of their team are all like kids out of college. Because and we, um, so I mean that's cool. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, one Kmeso. of the one of those players is Drew Drew Kmeso. Is that it? Is yes, Kmeso. Yeah. He's a yeah. Blackhawks second round pick from a few years ago. He's the goalie for Boston, uh, Boston University, excuse me, but he's currently playing with Team USA. I've been looking just now to see if he's going to be the starting goalie the rest of the way. It doesn't appear that there's been confirmation about that. So I guess you'll have to catch up on the highlights because the game is later t- later this evening. I think it's at, it starts in about an hour. Yep, um, yep. Comesso uh, played games one and three, and then uh, Strauss Mann, I think his name is played yeah. the game in the middle. So uh, it seems like like maybe Comesso's the guy, but we'll... Uh, I guess yeah, we'll- I went back and forth on it because you're right. Comesso played more, but Strauss got the Canada game, yeah. which is easily the more... Like, even though Canada's team isn't necessarily a favorite, I think theor- like technically most people think it's a Russia, Finland, Sweden kind of thing, mostly because those teams have all played with each other. And mm-hmm. the U.S. and Canada obviously got hit the hardest with no NHL players going over there. Yeah. Um, and if you're looking for other Blackhawks ties, it's a, a lot of former guys. Uh, Tomas Yurko's playing for Slovakia. Sweden. Sweden's got Marcus Kruger and Joe Kim Nordstrom. Uh, Peter Regan's playing on. Oh, shout out Dream Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, our, Archer Kayamov, the guy the Hawks drafted who will never, ever, ever make it over here, apparently, uh, is playing for <laughs> Russia or the Russian. Technically, and Nisimov is also on Russia's team. He just yeah. hasn't played. Yeah. He's in, he's in uh, COVID protocol in China, which is probably the least ideal COVID protocol to be in. You know what's funny about like these Olympics and uh, even just like world games and juniors and stuff is like, aside from Hawks prospects, we're all like, you know, I root for USA because I want the game to grow here. And you guys might agree with me, maybe not. Like when when Team USA does good, it's like, oh, that's good for the sport to grow here. But fucking Canada acts like it's World War Three. <laughs> like 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 they get. It's like fuck. If they lose, it's like a, it's like somebody died. It's yeah, like the, yo, 
Whenever the U.S. beats Canada in the World Juniors, men's or women's, especially well, like, and, it's especially men. Like they go. And I really like that. Have symposium. I really like Canada. I've been there a bunch. It's a good it's, one. it's it's a great country. That it's uh, there's a lot of cool things to do there. I love you know all the hockey shit, but I'm just like yo, it's like it. Nobody died. It's okay if you lose. Like it's gonna happen. <laughs> oh. Anyways, we're Team USA, and we're going all the way. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Perfect ending. All right. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any more Olympic talk. Uh, I, I will probably glance at the of some of the men's uh, bra- uh, bracket play games as they happen this week. I'll definitely watch the women's game, but it's like it's only with like a, a half interest, at least on the men's. The women's one, I, I'm more interested by the women's game because that's at least the best women's players in the world playing against each other with the men's. It's not. So it's not, not quite as thrilling, although. Uh, and, and the U S might have the best women's hockey players in the world. <laughs> yeah. Don't I'm we sure. got some pretty legit players. <laughs> no, seriously. No. Yeah. I mean, and one of them is in the Blackhawks front office. Yes. There's all there. So there's one, one of the fastest there. women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so really quickly, uh, we got a question from the uh, SCH commentary. I well, actually was on Twitter is BMAC too, but uh, wanted to know if you're hired as the GM uh, in the next month, the question is who goes at the deadline and for what, I think we kind of talked about the, for what uh, a little bit when we that Brandon Hagel discussion, but just, just really quickly, I guess there's, there's a few other names here that are like trade candidates um, with expiring deals. The biggest name for me is Dominic Kubalik. And I, I I go back and forth like it feels like you're kind of selling low on him right now, but if you bring him back on a qualifying offer, it's going to go over four million. So I don't, I don't know what you do there, uh, Shay. What are your thoughts? I still really <laughs> like Dominic Kubalik. I st- yeah. I still really really like Dominic Kubalik, and I think he's worth the roster spot. It's just like. <sighs> I don't know what's up, whether it's his his shot volume that is just not where it needs to be or whether it's like he's not playing with teammates who can get him the puck enough or like it's still it's still like compelling that like his he he played his best when he's with Taves and like he hasn't I don't think he's been to Taves all that much this season and certainly not recently. So mm-hmm. Betsy, what about just, you? It's yeah, it's it's a lot of heavy size. <laughs> uh, same feeling. I love Dominic Kubelik's game in a lot of ways. Um, the Blackhawks don't have a player that has the same like. There's there's not very many of them that have that shot quality that he has, like that release. Um, it's Dubrincic, Kane, and him essentially. Um, and Kane is not. He's more of a. I want to dangle you out of your strat before I shoot kind of guy. Um, Kubelik just has a good, strong shot, and it's just not working for him this season. And I have the same problem with him and Strom. It's like, you're going to be selling low. Strom's mm-hmm. gotten better at least, but his value is still not, like People are going to point at, well, that's just because he's playing with Kane again. Um, same thing with Kubelik. You know what he can do. Um, so do you, if you trade him now, you're not getting great value. The difference between the two, I think, is that people will, GMs will look at goal scoring as more of something that maybe can come back versus Strom, who is more of a playmaker. So there might, you might be able to get a GM to bite on 
the goal scoring quality of Kubelik more readily. His age plays a factor. And like you said, the whole, you have to pay 4.1. Yeah. it's a, He's at 3.7 this year. And the qualifying offer has to be, I believe it's at least 20% higher than the, uh, from the year before based off his games played or, or age or whatever. Right. So that would be, you're adding at least like 740,000 to that. So you're at least 4.4 million. And it's based Kubelik. on it's based on the contract mm-hmm. the last year's amount, not the cap hit, right? So his base salary for this year was like four already. So was, the salary, yeah, the, yeah, the salary was four. So yeah, you're right. It's even higher. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's uh that's a tough one. Uh Mill, what about you? You know, uh the stereotypical Libran in me says break out the scales with Kubalik. It's like, hey, what what's the value? No, but seriously, it's like um are we going to pay this guy 4 million and lose out? I like Kubelik a ton, like everyone else has said, but I think you have to look at what's available. And, and to me right now, I think keeping him is probably the better bet. Um, I, I think with the Hawks, they have to look to be young, you know, Taves and Kane aside, if they really think they can win in the next, like, I don't know, two, three, four years, they really have to, to be young and to have cost control. And I think that that's what they're going to have to look at long-term. So if someone wants to trade for Kubelik, I think you have to weigh the deal and say, well, what's the value here for us? So to me, I think if it fits in their window of like where we're planning to succeed in their price range, good. But to me right now with Kubelik, I think you keep him. Yeah, I, I I think I'm more on the side of keeping him. It's, it's similar to Hagel. If you get a really good offer, take it. But right, but, but I would the thing not be Kubelik, upset if Dominic Kubelik was back on the Blackhawks next year, even at four million. Like, also, I no, I, I agree. But again. also, with the right coach and the right line mates, he that's, might be way more worth the four million. That, that's that's again, that's the same uh, same principle I'm applying to a lot of other guys. Like, let me see what he looks like with a, a, a good, hopefully good NHL coach. Because you know how much Q would like to have him on a wing just firing off shots like Sharp used to? Like, I'm not comparing him to Patrick Sharp, but I'm just saying, like, the scoring-wise, just being right there ready to tee it up. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not not as worried about the salary cap situation either with this team for next year because you're going to have, you know, Lucas Reichel's probably going to be up here. He'll be under a million. Um, there's plenty of other, you know, maybe Ian Mitchell makes the leap and stays up. Maybe Bodan does. Those are guys on entry-level deals that are really low cap hits that you can afford right. pretty easily. And that'll offset any, uh, any issues you have with the higher cap hits of the Taves and Kane and Seth Jones contracts. So I'm not, I, I for 4 million, like for a one, maybe a one year qualifying offer, uh, a kind of a prove it type of thing. Yeah, sure. Why not? Maybe so. The other name that and I think we talked about him two weeks ago when we did our last show, but Ryan Carpenter's on an expiring contract and he's 31 years old. And I just, I, I think Ryan Carpenter's a very, a, a very good fourth line player and a legitimate NHL quality type of guy, uh, type of player. But I just, I feel like the Hawks should be able to replace him if they trade him this year. So that could be, that could be another like depth piece that a team needs and maybe you get a decent mid to late round pick for him. But outside of that, like the like a Blackhawks like fire sale here, I, I don't think is coming. So it's going to be. I think it's. I, I think I, if you have uh, any high expectations for the Blackhawks trade deadline, I think you might want to temper those a little bit because I think it's going to be pretty tame. 
at least that's my thought. Am I crazy? No, I'm with you. I th- I don't think that they're going to do much of anything at all because they're not it, while they're not Arizona, it looks like they are in the sense they're not going to into next year. <laughs> And they're not a playoff team, so it's like, why bother? Yeah, their their stadium's certainly bigger. That's all I got. Hey, you know what? That Arizona stadium packed might be a great time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a, a packed five thousand seat stadium would be better than a majority empty twenty thousand seater. But still, you've still, covered still, those games in high school sports. Yeah, still, still not a, still not a great look for the league, though. But no, yeah, oh, it's a terrible look for the league. But I want to be there. All right. So uh, when when we rejoin some point next week, uh, the Hawks. After being on the road for three games, their next six games are all in Chicago. They got Thursday against Columbus, Friday against Dallas, Sunday against Florida, four days off, uh, probably a symptom of the uh, Olympic break that was supposed to be there. And then next Friday against New Jersey, next Sunday against St. Louis, and then March. And yeah, that too. Um, That's going to do it for the hockey portion of this. Um, So again, as the best, food-themed hockey podcast on the internet. Uh, we we wanted to get into a food take here, and I think the way this is going to work is Shay had something that they wanted to talk about, and Shay, we're just going to let you go, and then we're going to go from there. So, Shay, have at it. Okay. Uh, I think the, the, the take originally started that, like, uh, ketchup on hot dogs is good. Well... It's I okay. It's good. It's no people shouldn't mind it. If you it's, like it, you like it. I think the word I would use is fine. Like I, I think, like. Okay, my, I'll 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 say this. My favorite uh, ketchup. My favorite hot dog dr- uh, dressings are ketchup and hot sauce. Okay. Yeah, I think my, my issue. Is I, res- I respect that. I respect. It's, it's that. when you put like it's when you have like the Chicago style hot dog with like a mountain of stuff on it, and then you put ketchup on it. It's like what the fuck are you doing? But if you right. just have like a plain like a plain stadium hot dog and you put ketchup on it, you know, go to town. I I, like, I don't care. You, That's do not the, offensive. If you do the classic like ketchup and mustard. Or exactly. Yeah, ketchup, ketchup, mustard, and relish. Would exactly. you put ketchup on a like chili dog? No, no. Well, no, 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 no. There's already tomato on in in there because of the wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Betsy, do you put ketchup butter? I do that? not, but I okay. have 100% seen that at like what used to be the Turner Stadium down well, here. Uh, those people, people might that. be serial killers, so I would stay away from them. <laughs> well, they're mad about four out of five World Series. Yeah, um, Shay, please continue with your your ketchup. And, uh, and we've we've done done a previous. Uh, food take where we talked about ketchup on eggs. I'm the only defender of ketchup on eggs here. Uh, and my, my favorite chef, chef uh, is a ketchup on eggs person. So that, that makes me feel better. Uh, but I think Dave wants to talk about like, are we going into like too much ketchup on everything? Like, here's, here's my thing. I, I think, I think ketchup is for, and, and I don't know how to phrase this without it sounding like I'm insulting Shay, so I'm going to apologize up the up uh, up front for this. I don't know how to say it any better. I feel like ketchup is for children and people with boring food palates because it, it's so like ketchup overtakes like just about anything you put it on. So I feel like if you're putting if you're still putting ketchup on things as adult, either you're eating things that aren't good to begin with, or you're just kind of taking the lazy way out. And I feel like you need to. Like you'd as just the the general you, not Shay specifically, like you deserve better than ketchup. There's so many better condiments out there than ketchup. I can't even say the word, but there's better things out there than ketchup. Please just explore the space. There's a lot of space out there. Right. I will say uh, 
I am. I am still a grown child. I'm just. I'm just a grown, <laughs> I'm grown, a grown child. child. <laughs> I'm a grown child. Um, but my my favorite, like I'm like ketchup is not my favorite condiment. I'm a grape coupon person. I have a ply of a plenty complicated palate. I just like sometimes you like old reliable, and old reliable is ketchup. Yeah, I, I guess it's. I, I just. I'm also a spicy ketchup person more than I am. A well, I, that that's better than just like plain ketchup. But I agree with I, I agree <laughs> with uh, Patrick Mahomes' take. Not on steak. Not on steak. He puts ketchup on steak, and that's insane. Oh, like, well, that's... A, a, a good burger with ketchup on it, like spicy ketchup. Yeah. Okay. I just I, I'm more intrigued by the Grey Poupon revelation. Like that came out of left field. I did not expect that. Um, I have to defend my palate. No, I okay. do. I do a decent palate. Mill, I know you were talking a lot about being uh, big into dips recently. So I need to. I need you to offer any of your uh, your rebuttals or comments to Shay's stance on ketchup. Okay, so so first I'll say shout out to Shay with this. Uh, what I'm about to say, but hot dogs are limitless as yeah. far as what you can put on top of them. Um, so for me, like, even though I don't eat meat anymore, um, which I was a big hot dog person my whole life, you can eat the, the vegan or vegetarian hot dogs or whatever. They taste plenty the same. I mean, a hot, I mean, let's be honest, like what is a hot dog, right? Um, (laughs) but for me, it's like kind of a mood thing. Like, you know, chili, I love a chili dog. I love mustard and onions on a hot dog. Um, but for me, ketchup is one of those things where it's like, it's kind of like going to get a beer and you're like, well, I'm at a stadium. Am I going to pay $11 for like a Budweiser and a Bud Light? Or am I going to pay $17 for the IPA? It's like, you know what? A cold Budweiser is fine. Like ketchup is fine. It's not the best condiment. It's not the only one you should have. But I don't think you should ever shit on somebody for having ketchup. Like it's totally fine. It's not the best thing. It's um, more of a foundational thing. You can mix it with other things. Yeah, that what, was you know, what I was about to say. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll let I'll let Betsy go off. I'm just gonna say it's it's there for a reason. You can have it; it's good. Mix it with other things, but there's no reason to hate on anybody for it. Yeah, I think ketchup is a great thing that can be mixed with other things to make something that's better than just ketchup by itself. Um, I was thinking about this uh, shrimp pad Thai that I had once. That was a ke- it was ketchup fish sauce sugar and pepper and i was like this is not going to be good and it was delicious and you know there's so many if like you have like meatloafs for example the amount of people that make different types of uh sauces that go on top of those meatloafs that are based on ketchup is just astounding and it's not i really i have a sudden craving for meatloaf now that with i know it's like it's such a that sounds really good it's in like orange chicken and all kind of shit too, teriyaki. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. So I, it's like ketchup by itself as a plain condiment has like very specific places it should go. But ketchup as a base to be included with other things to like create something brand new and amazing is A++ to me. So ketchup should be your gateway condiment is what we're getting. Yes. I'm I'm gonna say this. It's the vanilla of condiments. Vanilla yeah. ice cream is a is a very good flavor, but like it shouldn't like it's a gateway. And also like once you start adding stuff to it, then makes then it elevates that's a great, vanilla even further. That's, that's yeah. a that's a great way to put it because you can put like you can use vanilla as like a Sunday base, or you can make a better flavor ice cream out of it. Right. And that's not also that's not to say that mustard is chocolate. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Although although I've been on a big honey mustard kick lately. Ooh. That's because honey mustard is 
delicious. Yeah, if honey mustard's done well, it's 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 up there. On the it's list. like uh, honey mustard with pretzels and beers. Like I turn into Homer Simpson. <laughs> I all right or Chief Wiggum, whatever so, you prefer, whichever fat guy you prefer. Well, I, I'm I'm very much in the Chief Wiggum mode whenever I think about the Blackhawks because all I can think of is this is going to get worse before it gets better. So that'll that'll <laughs> teach the rest of you nuts. Oh, uh, so I, I think I think we got somewhere today. Uh, ketchup is vanilla, and it's a gateway condiment. But there's th- nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just and again, I, I think if if you're like in your 30s or maybe even 40s, and like you're still just only eating ketchup, like you you gotta you gotta branch out. Like there's better things out there for you. It's okay every once in a while, I guess. I'll and shout it. out Heinz Field. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You you know, all, <laughs> all, all, all Uh But yeah, uh, just. Uh, I, I I have nothing else to add. That that was actually, expand your palate. You actually, can do it. We you actually had a conversation it. about a food topic and and like I feel like we we established something good. So I, I think that's gonna be a good place to end this episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Shepherds on Twitter at Shepherd Price. Mills at Mill182. I'm at DML57. Betsy's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. We'll be back next week with a new show. The website will have previews, recaps, and some other stuff to fill the, the four days off we've got coming up next week. And uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. Oh, uh, uh, Drew Comesso's not starting tonight. They're going to use the other guy. So yeah. that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. I just saw that come across on the tweets. But uh, other than that, uh, we'll. Uh, Maybe Kamesa will get pressed into duty and then win uh, Olympic MVP and then be the next goalie of the future for the Hawks. That's my optimistic take for the night. Uh, And that's going to do it for this episode. So thanks for everyone for hanging out. We'll talk to you next week.